Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. I'd like to invite you to join the official ADHD Essentials Facebook community. It's filled with useful ADHD, family, and school resources for our members. Go to facebook.com groups slash ADHD Essentials community to sign up. And once you're there, let me know which episodes are your favorite and what topics you'd like to see covered in the future. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, shoot me a line at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And for those of you who are hesitant, I'll gladly make your episode confidential by giving you a nom de plume. I've done it in the past. Finally, if you haven't posted one already, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. They help others find the show, and it's a great way to help me grow the podcast. This is episode 55. Today, we're talking to Jason Dulac. Jason is a mental health counselor and expert in stress management, having taught it at the college level. In today's episode, we talk about the physical nature of stress, various levels of stress management, ranging from short-term band-aids to more long-term approaches, and I even share a story about the time I got assaulted in Whole Foods. They call that a teaser, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get rolling. I've taught stress management uh, at Worcester State University. After dealing with learning to deal with stress in my own life, because after all, I'm a human being, and part of being human is having stress in our lives. Relationships, the stress of work, the stress of my health, the stress of all kinds of things. Went to UMass Medical Center to do their stress mindfulness-based stress reduction program and um, went through their internship program to teach that. I do that as part of my psychotherapy practice with individuals and families, working with kids, working with couples, using stress management in our own life today, always, yeah. So before we jump into stress management, we should probably start with stress, right? Because we can't manage something if we don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we hear this word stress all the time. It's actually several stages of our body's reaction to what we perceive as a problem um, or as a danger. It's, it's a very physical thing, and it comes from our body's reaction to events on the outside. You can kind of break it down into four or five stages. The first stage would be the event itself, the event in our environment that we usually have very little to no control over whatsoever. The car that cuts us off. Somebody, without putting their blinker on, very suddenly cuts in front of us, we have to slam on the brake to avoid hitting the car, right? That event can cause us to feel sometimes anxiety, fear of the people on the road, I'm gonna get hit, or anger, and to have thoughts that may perpetuate and make that upset worse. So if we're experiencing stress in our body, and I, I can hear that you're sort of wrapping the mind into that as well, and I'd love to sort of differentiate those two if we can. 
if we're experiencing in our body, does that mean we should be able to physically tell where we're stressed? That, that whole idea of carrying stress in our back or in our neck or wherever? Yeah, yeah. And, and we've all had headaches or stomach aches or muscle tension or just when we get angry, we can feel the pressure building in our, our, our face or the tension in our hands. And these are all symptoms of, of stress. And so we think of emotions as feelings. We sometimes, well, how are you feeling? What's your emotional state? It's because emotions all have a physical sensation that goes with it. So anger might feel like a pressure or a tension or a heat. Fear might feel like being cold. There might be a shakiness with it. There might be a twist in your gut. So physicality is huge. And actually, when we get into what to do with stress when you experience it, one of the key things is being aware of what your body is feeling. And then working with those sensations and focusing on what your body is feeling versus the actual event that creates the stress. Now, there's more than one kind of stress, right? Like, I swear, I remember in middle school, I learned like eustress and distress kind mm -hmm, of stuff. Mm -hmm. Stress is like a really broad term. Um, I actually prefer to use more specific things like uh, anxiety, fear, emotions like anger, jealousy, um, uh, rage, resentment, sadness, loss, um, confusion. Confusion about things creates this uncomfortable feeling in us. All of these different emotions create this, this stress. So, And you're adding labels to the stress. You're saying like, yeah, you're stressed, but w what are you really feeling? Is it stress mm -hmm. or is it fear mm -hmm. or is it separation or is it confusion or anxiety? Yeah. And that's going to help us manage our stress, right? Because mm -hmm. we're now defining it down a little more. Exactly. Yeah. Putting a label on it, getting, uh, approaching the event or the feelings you're having with some curiosity. Very helpful. What about excitement? Mm, that's another type of stress too. Yeah. Happiness, yeah. laughter, right? We're laughing about something because that's our body's way of relieving the stress of happiness, excitement. Little kids, that you can see their excitement in their bodies when they're rushing around and, and really happy about things. Maybe that causes us to have an anger stress reaction because they're not supposed to be right. jumping around because <clears throat> they're in class or they're, you know, they're in the car and they're annoying us or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But happiness is a stressor too. And sometimes just because their energy level, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking back to Christmas, which just happened as we record this episode. And my guys during Christmas vacation, they would just get excited and start running around the mm -hmm, house. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, that level of energy, that level of excitement, we don't often experience that. Mm. So when, and, and this is me speculating, feel free to tell me if I go mm. in the wrong direction here, but I'm wondering if when we experience that level of energy and excitement coming off of a kid, mm. do we sometimes take that in and we kind of match that energy level, but we associate it with stress because more often than not, when we're experiencing that level of energy, that level of, of dysregulation of emotion, for us, it's more often negative than positive. Boy, it's a bit of a can of worms. Um, so the kids running around is the event, right? Excited, happy. Right. We as adults don't run around jumping up and down and people would look at us funny and, and all that stuff. So we've learned, we've been conditioned not to do that by our culture. And, and to be aware and to control our bodies and our, our reactions to stress to fit into culture can be useful and it can also be problematic 
for us too. Um, so why a person might react, a parent might react negatively to their kids running around with excitement, that really depends on, on that particular person's conditioning. Were, were they told you know, harshly by their own parents? Were they beaten if they were uh, running around excited as a kid? If that's the case, um, they may actually feel resentment towards their own kids for running around doing that. Or they may, they may be worried that their kids are going to be seen as a problem if they don't learn how to control their excitement here and now. That may cause them to feel worried. That worry may create an anxiety in them. So they, they may come down hard on their kids for that, too. And, and I've been a parent. So, yeah. So that's another factor about why am I an expert on stress? <laughs> Just thinking about it, right? My guys, when they start getting that level of energy, I've been sick for like a month maybe longer. Like this cold just won't go away. It went away for like a day or two. And now I, I'm hitting something new. Um, for me, it's almost a dread when they get that energetic because mm -hmm. yep. I'm like, Oh, they're going to want to play. And I physically can't do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that spikes my anxiety. Right. Yep. And yep. related that sort of feeds into my goals for the new year and getting into better shape and being a little more fit and healthy and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So that I can play with my kids more. Yeah. Engage in that. And you can enjoy that excitement versus fighting against it. Right. And that shows that you have a certain level of awareness when that stress may be coming up or after you've, you, maybe after you've yelled at them or something. Yelling's not something that happens very often. No, no. I, they're I so loud, I have to. I totally <laughs> believe that. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, people do. And it's, uh, right. when we get stressed, we do all kinds of things that maybe we regret later on. We go, oh, I wish I had handled that differently. Maybe getting more sleep or getting my body in better shape will allow me for the next time my kids are yelling excitement instead of being so upset with them maybe help them and be with them and enjoy that part of them um, so how we approach the event is really one of the biggest things but if we're not aware of this in the moment we tend to go back to our habitual response to stress to the stressing event mm -hmm. um, which often causes problems so let's poke around in our bodies a little bit. What's happening when we experience stress neurologically, physiologically? The first thing that happens is there is an event in the outside world. If you go back to that car cutting you off again, here is this event, this thing that happens and you see it, you hear it, your, your five senses perceive it in some way, shape or form. The car cuts you off, your eyes see it and think, oh, this is a danger to me. That then stimulates our hypothalamus and pituitary glands to start something called the stress reaction cycle within our body. This is the thing that sends all the messages to our body to either prepare to fight off a danger or to run away from a danger. So our body is now getting ready to fight or run. And adrenaline gets our heart rate up and it gets our muscles tight and um, blood pressure increases. Again, there's that fight or flight response. And then, then we do something with this. And, and then we also get these feelings in our body, our, our gut maybe twists. And then we start having responses to this stuff going on in our body. We don't like those feelings. And those are the, some of the sensations that often are associated with what we call stress. So here we come back to the car. Now we're feeling stressed out because this guy just cut us off or this woman just cut us off or this punk just cut us off you know, use the expletive of your choice, just cut us off. And now we're spinning a story in our thinking minds 
that perpetuate the stress. Right. A story that this is a jerk. This is an inconsiderate person. This is a danger. This person is a menace on the roads. We should, I'm going to call the police. What am I going to do to stop this person? I'm going to get their license plate number. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to, I'm going to get it right up on their tail and show them what a jerk they are. You know what? I'm going to cut them off at the first chance I get. I'm going to speed by them and cut in front of them. Right Now we're in fight mode because our bodies have evolved to fight danger. And if we come back to that, we're looking at this person who may have been in a rush to get somewhere. Maybe even they looked in their rear view and they didn't see us and they forgot their blinker. Or maybe their blinker's not even working and they did turn it on. They don't know that. Maybe this person's actually a really wonderful person, but there's a different story there. Mm-hmm. There's always a different story than the one that's playing in our mind. So that story, though, coming back to our body, that story is what perpetuates continued stress. So there's things that we can do with our thoughts when we, when we become aware of the stress in the body in the first place. I've obviously been in those situations in the, on the highway. And, and I've been the cause of that, right? There's certain times when I am not paying as much attention as I should be. And I accidentally cut someone off and I've had that person then get angry at me and tailgate me and cut me off and all that kind of stuff and give me the finger and all those kinds of things. I'm not going to pretend all the time because certainly not all the time. Sometimes I get escalated too. And now the two of us are racing down the highway at a thousand miles an hour. But, but sometimes I'm able to respond with that sort of thoughtfulness that you're describing. Right. Mm -hmm. And typically what that looks like for me is I'll think, like, wow, I just ruined your day. Mm. And I didn't even mean to, right? Mm. Like I just, and then it sort of, it depends on how aggressive they're being, right? If they're being over the top, then I'm kind of smug about it. And I'm Mm. like, I just ruined your day without even trying. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't need to cut you off. I already won. I don't like, I don't need to escalate this. I already wrecked your day. Like it's not going to get worse if I continue to cut you off. Yeah. And that's a thought that you can bring in there. Yep. Right. And other times I'm just like apologetic and I wave and I'm like, I'm sorry that I cut you off if they're sort of a jerk for a minute and then they calm down. But that's making me think about that compression idea and how we feel under pressure. And typically I'm trying to respond with compassion. So just as a mnemonic device for the listeners, responding to that compression with compassion might be a useful tool. Yeah, it's hard to do when you're really angry though too, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and that takes practice. And uh, so I, I like to talk about empathy and empathy being like the foundation for compassionate feelings. Mm-hmm. And compassion, usually people who are really upsetting us are sometimes the ones that need our compassion the most, whether it be our child, um, our partner, or maybe even the guy or woman who has cut us off in traffic. The receptionist where I used to work in one of the counseling programs, every day they, they saw 100 people plus people coming in. And these are folks who are really upset and really stressed out with a, a wide variety of mental health problems. And they would come in and they would be jerks. They would be angry. They would be upset. They would be rude. And our receptions would have to work with that stressor in their environment. And they would have to work with their own emotions that would come up. And they actually became quite expert at cultivating empathy and compassion for the folks that came through the door. 
Uh um, and they're upset. And it takes practice. And we can't deny our anger if we, well, we can. (laughs) We can stuff our anger that comes up. But um, somewhere there's a middle path between punching the person in the face and yelling and swearing at them and saying, oh, you poor thing. Everything's, you know, this is okay. It's okay for you to be rude to me or it's okay for you not to use your blinker. Mm -hmm. Um, Somewhere is this middle path. I, I encourage folks to try to imagine with some curiosity well, why did that person cut me off? I don't really know. It's hard for us human beings not to know things. That in and of itself triggers the stressor of confusion. So I don't really know why this person cut me off. But um, we try to grasp after stories that make us feel like we know, that causes for us to feel less stressful. This person cut me off because they are all blankety blank. Mm-hmm. Right? Now we've categorized them. Now we know. And that's an, a not maybe a useful way but in some way it's useful for managing the stressor of it Um, but it can also get in the way and feed the the story that perpetuates our stress i've got a label that's useful for me and might Mm -hmm. be useful for listeners as well which is when i get cut off or when something happens that could easily be the result of inattention or distractedness right I try pretty hard to be like, all right, well, that person's got ADHD. <laughs> and now there's a connection between me and this other person that I've never met before. Oh, yeah. Yep. It makes it a little bit easier for me to manage that yeah. because I am more compassionate for that because I obviously ADHD is a major part of my identity. Sure. It allows me to be more empathic, more, more compassionate, and it, that might work for the listeners as well. And that's a story that serves me as opposed to a story that sort of damages me or makes me more upset beautiful and and that would be that that's exactly it doesn't have to be an accurate story that you tell yourself right it it's a story that works um and it can feel powerful it can feel good to feel angry and if the story you're telling yourself is about making them right or them wrong and you're right that can actually get in the way but if it's a story that you tell yourself that develops that sense of empathy between you and them, that can be really powerful um, because it it works to soothe that fear in the moment or that upset in the moment for you. Calling somebody else, you know, oh, they must have ADHD. I get it. I I can relate to that. Um, Whether or not they have a diagnosis of ADHD or not is is actually beside the point because it doesn't matter. You may never see that person again. Yeah, I'm not going to know the story anyway, so I may as well make up one that helps. Yeah, it's about what works, what actually works to help you down that middle path versus the one that stuffs the anger or upset or feeds it. Right. We're trying to avoid feeding anger or fear, for that matter, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to avoid stuffing it and, and trying to pretend like everything's fine. And that's where some of that identification stuff you were doing earlier comes in, right? Like identifying the emotions helps us recognize that they're there. We're not stuffing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So identifying the emotions, uh, you have to be aware that you're having them in the first place. And that awareness takes practice. It's a conscious awareness. People have heard about mindfulness, maybe. Uh, It's a big popular word in, in, in culture today, which is a great thing. And sometimes it's mis used just be mindful and you'll be happy (laughs) um i hear stuff like that just just meditate just just breathe just breathe and you'll be okay you know (laughs) being mindful of of being 
tremendously afraid. Being aware of anger, being mindful of, of anger, being mindful is just this kind of objective, curious observation of what you're experiencing in a moment in relation to the events going on around you. What about acceptance? And I ask this because whenever I start talking about emotions, I always think about men and how men suck at emotions mm. and all of the problems that that causes in our culture. Because mm -hmm. for men, typically anger is the emotion that comes up, right? Oftentimes, yeah, yeah. But often it's not the right one. It's very often hiding something else. And typically it's hiding an emotion that makes the man feel vulnerable. Mm. And the man can't accept being vulnerable. Mm. So rather than feel disappointed or rejected or scared the man and women do this too but it much happens much more often with men mm -hmm. the man gets mad instead because anger makes you feel vulnerable and then i don't have to recognize the fact that i feel vulnerable because i can't accept it so how do we navigate that and obviously you're not gonna like give me a sentence or two and fix it but at least we can well I, yeah i know I, I hear here all right so here's all you have to do is accept it brandon all right and brandon when you're when you're really anxious and worried just just relax everything will be okay <laughs> <laughs> just just breathe brandon it, you'll be fine <laughs> you know that's obviously not the answer uh acceptance is a wonderful thing that we can work towards acceptance of an environmental situation the question is how do we find acceptance with things as they are how do we relax how do you manage stress just relax go somewhere go to your happy place and relax and it's the the whole process for getting to these places these places we call relax or the place we call acceptance um involves really quite a process of awareness first of all being aware of well you know whether you're a man or a woman if you're feeling anger that's what you're feeling and, and that's the label of it what are the sensations of it what are the sensations in your body that you're experiencing how is your breath being held um, right. just noticing these sensations uh, are the really the first step in the path towards this place we call acceptance so you're talking about men in, in anger in anger in general this we th think of it as like a, a power emotion if you're angry then you can attack somebody if you're fearful then we it's more of like a victim oh no something bad's going to happen to me and i can't control that and so whether you're a man or a woman just really the first step is finding uh developing awareness of what the emotion that you're feeling is what the sensation in your body you're feeling is and then you can, with some curiosity, maybe begin to explore what's underneath that. Like you said, maybe this fear underneath that uh, anger. Mm -hmm. If um, you're angry at your kids, maybe it's because you're fearful they're going to get out into the world and not be successful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a big thing. That's a big um, one for my clients. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, how do you find acceptance? <laughs> um, it's different for everybody, right? right? But the first step has to be awareness. One of the things I do with my clients is I try to have my clients identify situations where they experience those emotions outside of actually experiencing the emotion. My kid brings home an F on a test. I'm afraid they're going to not go to law school and be a failure at life because they fail the test. I'm escalated. My emotions are not regulated. Mm -hmm. I get mad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But later on, Outside of that situation, I can have a conversation with a parent and say, all right, so when your son brings home like an F on a math test or whatever, uh -huh. what's going on for you? 
Oh, I get mad. Okay, well, but what else? Like, what's hiding underneath the anger? And now I get the, like, I'm scared, that kind of stuff. Would it be useful for, for the parents at home to sort of identify times when they tend to get mad at their kids and then think about what's underneath that anger and what else might be going on? If they can identify the other emotions, might it be easier to manage them later? Yeah. So the, you're talking about insight. Right. You know, developing insight into what is what are what are the, the hab- habitual responses that we have to stressors? What are the habitual sp- responses we have to um, maybe our kids in particular? And that insight is is always useful. However, in the moment of being angry, you know, at the person who just cut us off or our kid, that conscious thought of, oh, I see, I'm actually worried about my child failing in life because he's got an F on his report card today. Um, and that's why I'm feeling frustrated with him. And maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe it's because I also told them to do their homework and they lied to me and they said that they were doing their homework and they didn't do their homework. And here it says not completing homework assignments, not studying for tests um, on the teacher's uh, narrative that comes with the report card. And that is triggering the anger too. I told you to do this. You got to do that. Um, these things are hard to bring to mind, you know, thinking, oh, I'm actually worried for my child um, in the moment of anger. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of three ways of working with stress in that moment. The first way is the immediacy of when we're aware of that anger or that fear, just being present with whatever it is that's there. This is that naming of the emotion kind of stuff the, that you're The doing naming right. of the emotion, giving it a name, but also really bring your mind into the feeling. The feeling of the body or the feeling yes. of the emotion or? Yes. Okay. One and the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are thoughts about the emotion. My kid didn't do his homework like I told him to do. Now they have an F. And those are the thoughts. But those aren't, that's not the feeling of anger. You know, the feeling of anger is in the moment when you're seeing the kid and the kid is in front of you and he's got his report card and they're denying, they're telling you that it's the teacher's fault and you're hearing the sound and you're feeling this tension in your body. You have this urge to just verbally chew your kid out um, or this tension in your body there to just simply be aware of those sensations. That's the very first thing that we have to develop practice around. Um, And that's part of the Band-Aid of working with the stress. The Band-Aid management of that anger in that moment might be to simply say, look, we need to talk about this report card but not now. I need to calm down. I'm feeling very angry. And maybe even if you're aware also, I'm angry and I'm, maybe I'm feeling disappointed too. But being able to step back from your kid in those moments of real strong anger, as a parent, when you're feeling really angry, step back and literally walk out the house. And I'm going for a walk. I'll be back. Go to another room. Moving your body is one of the major band-aid ways of managing stress because what your question just there was asking about how do i manage the stress Mm -hmm. and so the first step is dealing with it in the moment and whether it be fear or um, anxiety um, or anger physically walking away can be really really good okay Um, having a lot of confusion is another big emotional response we have to stress i don't know what to do i'm confused i don't know should i do this should i call the teacher should i punish my child i don't know go for a walk (laughs) (laughs) moving our body remember coming back to what is stress it's our body telling us is the danger yeah we either have to fight this thing or we have to run away both are physical responses 
after awareness of it, the, the next Band-Aid step is to physically do something. Mm-hmm. And within our culture, we so often don't do anything physical. You know, the cop pulls us over and we have to just sit there and take it. And no thought, oh my God, the ticket that he's writing up is going to cost me money on my insurance, money I don't have for the ticket. The kid who's showing me the F on his report card or is acting out in the moment, that's, that's why this physical abuse stuff happens because people's response is a physical response to stress, but that's so maladaptive, so hurtful. Mm. So many things that we do in response to stress are maladaptive, not helpful, hurtful. So we want to avoid doing those hurtful things in the moment. Physically walking away helps our body calm down. Okay. Um, and then coming back to you know, the, the insight around it, that's great. Developing insight about, well, am I feeling angry right now? Or is there anxiety about the future of my kid right now? I, I don't know. Um, man or woman, it's, it's similar. It sounds like we're now hitting a different intervention tier, I guess, right? So, so we just did sort of the in-the-moment Band-Aid interventions. We're sort of becoming aware of the emotion that we're experiencing, getting some distance from the situation, and, and using our bodies to sort of work off some of that energy that's coming with the stress. Yes. But now we're going into more of like a middle to long-term tier, it sounds like. Yes. So how do we deal with stress in general? We say we, all, every, we have all this stress in our lives. Well, the stress is actually in our bodies. Um, we have all these events going on in our lives and how we perceive them can be stressful or they may not be so stressful. And that's largely dependent on things like, are we ingesting gallons of caffeine every day? Um, I have a cup of coffee in the morning. Like I, I said earlier this morning, <laughs> let me just get my coffee first and yeah. then my brain will start functioning again, right? But if I had like 10 cups of coffee before our, our little interview here, um, my anxiety might be way up high and I might be outside that zone of proximal development. I might be too stressed to really um, answer your questions well. Being aware of what chemicals we're putting into our body, dealing with stress by drinking alcohol or, or doing a lot of other drugs. These are, these are big problems in our culture. So we want to avoid things like that in excess. Escaping into Netflix. I was watching, um, I love superhero movies like, like yourself. And, yep. and I was watching some of the Marvel comic stuff last night. And it was a wonderful escape for me to escape into this fantasy world for a little while. But you know what? It was cutting into the fact that I need to get up and do work today and, and take care of my health and be in bed at a reasonable time. And with Netflix, you can watch endless TV shows, right? Yeah. We're not talking about the Band-Aid effects of stress. We're talking about things that the middle ground stuff that we can do on a day-to-day basis to help us manage the stressors in our lives. If I didn't get enough sleep last night, um, my supervisor is coming into one of my sessions later on this afternoon. I, I wouldn't be handling that stress so well. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be well rested for that, right? So we need to make sure we get enough sleep, not drink too much alcohol and caffeine. Other drugs, clearly problematic. They may make us feel really great. I I hear that heroin makes you feel really amazingly great. I don't recommend it, (laughs) let's be clear, because it creates all these other problems. So exercising regularly, doing whatever thing that you enjoy in your own life as a parent, 
parents so often get their own long-term enjoyment, their hobbies, their interests, their own body, their own body health, they're going, getting to the gym, going for walks. Those things so often get shuffled, you know, stuffed, right? Yeah. As parents, we need to allow for that to happen. Give yourselves time and space for that. Mm-hmm. And take care of your body. Take care of your, your own social relationships. Give those the time and energy they, they deserve too. This is the middle ground for dealing with stress. And it sounds like you're starting to hit SHRED, which is a model that I use with my clients, mm-hmm. yep. which stands for sleep, habits, relationships, exercise, and diet. Beautiful. Yep. That's the middle path. This is, this is the middle ground ma- stress management stuff. We have yep. the Band-Aid stress management stuff, you know, walking away physically when you're really upset, um, going for a walk to cool yourself off, getting a glass of water, talking to a friend, that sort of thing. We have this, the shred stuff, getting enough sleep, taking care of your body, your social connections, your own health. Um, and then we have the long-term stuff too. The stuff that can affect how your body reacts to stressful events. Uh, so they're not so stressful. And what, is, what are those long-term strategies? So these long-term strategies involve things like developing insight. Maybe if you're noticing a habitual response to um, stress being anger or fear or confusion, and it's really getting in the way of your relationships with your, your parents or your, your, your children or your wife, your husband, talking with a therapist, talking with um, a pastor, a priest, um, talking with somebody who's not maybe wrapped up in it that has some expertise in helping people work through stuff. Maybe a coach. Maybe, maybe an ADHD <laughs> expert coach. <laughs> um, somebody who is outside the emotional entanglement of, of your stressors and yet also has a level of expertise that can help you out and develop some of that insight so that you can, as a, maybe as a man who starts habitually responding towards your kids with anger, you can start to turn towards those underlying feelings of disappointment and fear that might be um, underneath that, that we don't want the world to see as men, right? Um, so therapy, that sort of thing can be very helpful for this in the long term. Mm-hmm. Now, also things, practices like yoga and meditation, mindful awareness practices. These are practices that allow for us to step back from this uh, state of doing we're called human beings, right? Yeah. Sometimes a more apt title for us might be human doings uh, because <laughs> we spend so much of our lives doing, 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 or thinking about doing, doing, doing. And, and these are kind of more like distractions for us that help us take away our attention from the things that we don't like to give us a sense of pleasure. The dopamine reward that we get on Facebook every time the little red blop comes up and says, oh, somebody's responding to me right? That's a doing right there, right? So stepping back from doing these things um, and just allowing ourselves to be with ourselves, that's a whole practice in and of itself. Mindful meditative practice is very powerful for that. Um, Prayer is very powerful for that. Going for a long walk and being consciously aware of what you're feeling, noticing when your mind starts spinning stories, and then stepping back from that in feeling the steps in your feet as you walk and having the intention, you know, I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk today. And for the majority of that walk, I'm just going to let myself feel the wind on my face, the, the feeling of the pressures in the bottoms of your feet, 
and then your mind will be gone again. And you just notice when your mind is gone into the thinking and the stories that we are telling ourselves and then bringing it back again and again. And what you're doing when you do these sorts of mindful exercises is literally you're exercising your mind. Your brain is changing over time, like taking your brain to the gym. And it's really the act of bringing your attention back to the pressure on your feet and the wind on your face. That's the part where we're getting the benefit, right? Yes. This is that moment when we become aware, oh, I'm thinking again, I'm spinning a story that's creating whatever, even happiness in our lives. I'm thinking about something. I want to bring my mind out of the thinking mind and into the sensation mind, Right. the physical sensations of our body. So huge. There's a little organ inside of our brain called the amygdala. And so when we see an event in the world, going back to one of the things I was first saying, the events in the world, we perceive them as stressful. It's that amygdala that perceives an event in our world as a stress or a danger or not. And when that amygdala is really big, which is often big and people have experienced trauma, Mm -hmm. they do brain scans on them, then we tend to have a bigger response to the events in our world and they feel more stressful. Mm -hmm. So the more of these mindful practices we do, the amygdala starts to shrink and we start to see these things not as the dangers that they really necessarily aren't, but just events that are happening in the world. And then they become less stressful for us. So when that person cut us off, it's just somebody pulling us in front of us and we have to apply the foot on the brake. And we can avoid that amygdala hijack. Yeah, we're not, our brain isn't hijacked by this story of they're a blotty blonde, they're a jerk and they're whatever. Um, We can just have the event happen, take care of our bodies and then come back to what we call the state of homeostasis where we're just kind of happily going along life versus being really angry or worried. So this is, these are the long-term things, things like talking with a minister, a therapist, ADHD coach, um, and doing mindful exercises that bring our mind into the present moment. Um, I have an activity sheet that I do with families. You don't have to go to the top of a mountain and do breath meditation for hours every day, feeling your breath and being with your emotions. You can do mindful dishwashing, feeling the water, as you're you're washing the dishes, smelling the soap, noticing as you're washing the dishes, your thoughts about the stressful thing that you think is going to happen later today, or the anger that came up from your thoughts about what happened yesterday. And it brings you back into the moment with just the dishes and the water and the soap. And that helps your body calm down too. So that's kind of a long-term treatment, but it also can, uh, can help us step back from the stressors when we practice this stuff daily. And one of the things to guard against or to to know is a potential pitfall, I guess, Mm -hmm. is when you start doing this mindfulness practice, this kind of, I'm just going to feel the soap on my hands and smell the lemony freshness. Yep. And then my thoughts go on to my stressor. When you realize your thoughts have gone there, it's okay to disengage from those thoughts without guilt or shame. Yeah. Because that guilt or shame is going to keep you in that amygdala hijacked land that we want to avoid. So if you're like, oh man, I was just thinking about the bills that are due. Now go back to soap. Don't follow that up with, why do I keep thinking about the bills that are due? Because now you're just escalating and you're making it worse. Yeah. Just say, all right, just thinking about the bills that are due. Right. I'm going to go back to thinking about the soap. Just acknowledging it. Just noticing the thought that comes in and watching that dark thought like a dark cloud of fear coming up inside of you 
oh, the bills and the feeling in your stomach. And that's also present. And so isn't the soap on the dish, in the sponge, in the suds, in the warmth, in the wet. Mm -hmm. And those things are there too. Uh, another thought that I hear a lot, people say things like, oh, when you're stressed out, just breathe. Just be mindful of the moment. Well, <laughs> that, like, that's going to make us feel better in the moment. And that's, that's often not the case. And people say, I tried breathing and man, it just made me pissed off even more. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because anger was present there too. Um, this is not relaxation breathing, which is actually a different type of breath exercise. This is just being aware maybe of the sensation of air moving through your nose as you're feeling angry or you're feeling worried. Um, and those thoughts of the bills are still there. This breathing stuff isn't going to make those bills go away. Right. There are always going to be stressors out in the world. There are always going to be things out in the world that we don't like. It's how we are able to condition our bodies to perceive them as threats or not to come back to the, the middle term, making sure we're getting enough rest and sleep, the shred, and um, taking care of our interests and hobbies. And then back to the first thing, the Band-Aid stuff. When we're feeling in the moment, what can we do that's most useful? Sometimes the most useful thing is to, to put the dishes away and sit down and write that check and put it in the envelope and get into the mailbox. That yeah. might be the most useful way. Um, we think so much about our stressors because thinking has solved problems. Mm -hmm. If we don't think, we can't solve the problems that we are faced with. We can't fix the dangers in our world. If we have a bill, we need to pay. If, oh, I don't have that money. That bill is going to be late and my credit is going to be damaged. I'm not going to be able to get that car. That, and these thoughts happen. I better pay that before this happens. And you know what? I don't have the money in my savings account. Um, but if I sell something on eBay, I can pay for it and I can pay that bill. <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe I need to stop washing the dishes for a minute and take some photos of the thing that I'm going to sell on eBay. Yep. The thinking is useful, but it's that those things about problems we can't fix in the moment that's not useful. And if it's that's the thinking that we're doing, it's just perpetuating that stress response of fear in us. Mm -hmm. And that's where coming back to just the washing of the dishes can be really useful. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So this stress response, this fear response that we're talking about brings me to a story of something that happened very recently. It was like a month or two ago. Um, so I got assaulted, like mm. physically assaulted at Whole Foods. Really? Yeah. At Whole Foods one day. I don't think I've told this story on the pod. Um, <laughs> at Whole Foods? Of all at Whole Foods. All right. So I go into Whole Foods and I was grabbing like a quick thing to eat before I had to pick my kids up at school. Mm-hmm there's like a little area in whole foods that has like tables and stuff that you can eat. And so I'm in that little sort of sectioned off dining area. There's two women and a guy in this area as well. And the guy is listening to, or not even listening to, he's watching sports mm -hmm. on his iPhone at like top volume. So I go as far away from him as I could get literally the other side of the room mm -hmm. and I'm trying to read and I can't. So I walk over and ask him to turn the phone down. Mm -hmm. Now he didn't look at me and he didn't say anything to me. Mm -hmm. but he did eventually turn the phone down and I probably stood there longer than I needed to yeah, because I wasn't getting clear communication. But right. then I go and sit down after I realized the phone is quieter and I eat and I'm done and I, and I read a little book and then I get up and I go to throw my stuff out. And as I go to throw my stuff out, he stands up and walks over to the trash barrels too. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, my spidey sense tingles a little bit, but I'm chalking it up to 
a coincidence. I'm not sure. assuming I'm about to get assaulted. Yeah, he turned um, the phone down earlier, right? Yeah, probably just coincidence. So I throw my stuff out, and he shoulder blocks me. From the trash barrel? Yeah, like he's right next to me at the trash barrel, and the guy shoulder blocks me. Hard. Like if my spider sense hadn't tingled, I probably would have gone flying. But it did, and I have martial arts training, so I sort of took it. And this is where I am now in fight, flight, or freeze mode, right? Mm -hmm. So I turn on the guy, and my response is, really? Because I asked you to turn your phone down? (laughs) And the guy sort of backpedals and like, no, I just have a bad knee. And and now I'm offended. Now I'm like really insulted Mm because he's trying to lie to me. And I'm like, no, you don't. Just own it. Because he, I know mm. the difference between getting hit by someone who's on balance and not on balance. And he was right, right. He hit it. So he sits down and I eventually leave. Nothing happens. There's no, aside from him shoulder blocking me, there's no physical altercation or anything. But I realized a couple of things in retrospect. Mm-hmm. One was that I respond, and this guy was like 50 years old, right? Like older than me, mm-hmm. um, but not so old that he's like infirm or anything. Right. One, I realized that I responded to him like I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was in full on high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, the thing that kept that from escalating, and this is, I want to get your take on this, because mm-hmm. um, it's something I've been advising my parents to do for a while now, mm-hmm. is I didn't get mad. I got offended. Mm. And so... I, and I've been working with my parents around this concept, right? Like when your kid is, even if your kid like hits you in the face, like they're eight or nine or five or whatever. Like if they're 15, that's different. But yeah. if you've got a little kid slapping you, don't get mad about that. When your kid isn't ready for school in the morning, don't get mad about that. Be offended. Because mm-hmm. anger, in my mind, at mm-hmm. least, when we get mad, we lose, we feel more powerful, but we lose control. Mm-hmm. When we're offended, we get to keep the control and still feel kind of powerful. There's some power in being uh-huh. offended. Uh-huh. And I didn't have a real world test tube on it until this guy shoulder blocked me, which is probably right. the most intense scenario I could experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it worked. I didn't do it on purpose. It's just is what right. happened, but yeah. it completely diffused this guy. Like, I don't know if he was going to turn and start hitting me or not. He had already physically assaulted me. So who knows yeah. where yeah. I was ready to go. Right. But because I responded in a way that he was not prepared for, right? I didn't fight him. I didn't turn the fight. I didn't run away. I didn't cave. Yeah. I just got offended. He called him on his behavior. Right. Really? Really? You're going to block <laughs> shoulder block me because I asked you to turn your phone down? So that was useful for you to do, to respond in that way. And it, it was okay because in that case, the guy didn't turn in to you and say, yeah, I, I effing did shoulder block you you're going to do something about it right because he yeah, could have, he could have done and turned and said that as well yep he right just, you know you got lucky there with that as far as getting mad or you know not getting mad or getting offended instead so again you have this habitual response that's been trained into you as a teacher mm-hmm. to respond to kids in a certain way when they're doing something that is not what you want them to do and so that's taken years for you to develop and you practice that. And as a parent, we pre- whatever we're doing in response to our kids when we're feeling anger towards them or fear, we're training ourselves every day. We're conditioning ourselves every day. 
So we have to be aware of how we're conditioning ourselves. Mm -hmm. And our conditioning that we receive breeds conditioning for the future. Mm -hmm. So if we grew up with physically, verbally, emotionally abusive parents, and we know that that doesn't work, but it's, it's kind of been instilled in us. If, our, if your kid does something, yell at them. Mm-hmm. If they do something wrong, yell at them. If they do something wrong, they need to be hit. That's a conscious thought. And it can be brought down to the subconscious level too. So that becomes the instinctive response when the kid does something wrong. Mm-hmm. A maladaptive response to the stress. Now, what we're trying to do is develop more adaptive, more useful responses to whatever the stressor is. Um, again, it comes back to awareness. If you weren't aware at that moment, you may not have been able to respond in the same way. There was some level of choice in what you said to that guy. Right. We can't necessarily control in the moment what emotion that we're feeling in our body. A feeling like offense is, isn't actually an emotion. It's kind of like, if they did this to me, they shouldn't have done that to me. That's a thought. Mm-hmm. And then you were feeling certain emotional responses in your body. And it was a, the fight or flight series, excuse me, the fight series of responses in your body, mm-hmm. right? And you were able to harness those so that it wasn't rage. You know, you weren't lashing out physically, right? But, it, but you were able to control what you said. You had enough control over that. Emo- the emotion was low enough. Your response to that environmental stimulus was low enough your amygdala was small enough that you didn't lash out physically in a way or more verbally aggressively, right. calling him a name or a jerk or insulting him. You, you were able to access your thinking frontal lobes of your brain and say, really? Really? You know, your shoulder blocking me because I, uh, I asked you to turn your phone down. That process requires thought. Mm-hmm. And that is evidence that your level of anger wasn't as high. Now, that's not necessarily something we have control over in the moment. And looking back at it, probably my training in the dojo yes. fostered a level of comfort in Absolutely. physicality with me that wasn't an alien experience to me. I mean, we don't do a lot of shoulder blocks in the dojo, but... No, yeah. So, and that's one of the most powerful... I've trained in martial arts myself, as you know, for years. And one of the most powerful things about training in whatever martial art it is, is allowing for our bodies to become more relaxed with physical confrontation Mm -hmm. so that we don't fall into a real overblown fight or flight response. Um, Martial arts tends to be a very mindful awareness practice. We become more aware when we're doing training of what our emotional state is. Um, We become aware of what our bodies are doing very consciously. We're bringing our minds into our bodies, just like the dishwashing. Right. Training in the martial arts um, is like that long-term stress management tool of, uh, of developing your mind's ability to react less aggressively, less fearfully to the stimulus in our environment that would normally in other people maybe, or in us earlier in our lives, create more of an anger response or more of a fear response cool, or a confusion response. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with the audience? We have the outside world and it's full of stressors. And we can do what we can to try to make the world the way we want the world to be. But eventually, sooner or later, somebody's going to shoulder block us when we're trying to throw our stuff away at Whole Foods. 
we can't stop all those people from doing those things. We can't stop our kids from not always being truthful or trying to, uh, or, or not getting a good grade or whatever it is that they're running around with excitement. The world is full of things that we cannot control, but what we can control is in that moment, what do we do with our bodies? Doing things that are helpful, walking away from the anger moment, going to the gym regularly, getting enough sleep, turning Netflix off last night, even though it was at the end of Civil War and I really wanted to watch the extras that came after that about the characters. It was getting late. I was aware of that. I turned that off. This is a physical thing, turning off the remote control and then getting up and walking to bed, a physical thing. The, the parts that we can control about the stressors in our lives are our physical bodies. How do we respond to those things? In order to respond, we need to be consciously aware, developing mindful awareness practices that bring our awareness into what our thoughts and emotions are, non-judgmentally with curiosity. What is this anger I'm feeling with my son every time that he says this? Is it something else underneath that, like you're suggesting before? Is there an anxiety or a disappointment or a fear that I'm not allowing myself to get in contact with? You know, getting in touch with a therapist, um, if you think that there's big enough problems that maybe you need an outside person or an ADHD coach, getting somebody else, a third person that's not enmeshed in the emotional entanglement of the relationships and problems you're struggling with. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.